You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Hey, this morning we're continuing our series, The Reality of Spiritual Warfare. Say it with me. The reality... You guys are awesome. The reality of spiritual warfare. As I shared last week, this is a very intentional title, The Reality of Spiritual Warfare, because the reality is is that there is a spiritual warfare happening. And one of the tactics that we have dealt with uh, from the enemy is that we have become so desensitized to the battle that we don't even acknowledge that it's happening anymore. And this has been done through many different things, but I mean, I look at our entertainment, and how many of you know, like, the classic cartoons where Satan is on one uh, shoulder, right, and then you have an angel or God on the other shoulder, and there's a battle, right? How many of you are familiar with this? Don't leave me hanging. Thank you. And so we've become desensitized to where we kind of look at this, and then there's all of the TV series and the movies that are constantly focusing on the supernatural in an unbiblical way. And so they focus on the supernatural and the paranormal, and little by little by little by little, the church becomes so desensitized that we as a church no longer acknowledge the reality of eternity. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do, is so that we become so desensitized that we don't even realize a battle is happening. How many of you would recognize that it is very strategic for an enemy to convince their opponent that there's nothing bad that's happening? The enemy wants to come in and say, there's no spirit. That's all just a bunch of, you know, weird, uh, supernatural kind, you know, just kind of paranormal. It's it's all pretend. It doesn't exist. And little by little by little by little, the church, when we should be fighting, we're sitting. And that's why we're talking about the reality of spiritual warfare, because it needs to be a reality. And I want to be careful with this because, you know, I heard a C.S. Lewis quote one time where he talked about, he said, there's two strategies of uh, Satan. One is to uh, not even acknowledge his existence, and the other is to be so obsessed about Satan and the paranormal that we forget to do our biblical calling to go in and reach the world. And he said, Satan is pleased with both of these. And so I want to challenge us to meet in the middle because the reality is the Bible talks far more about who God is, who we are, how to accomplish his will, prayer, spiritual gifts, than it does angels and demons. So I want to make sure that Jesus is our focal point. Can I hear a good amen on that? But we also have to acknowledge a reality that angels and demons are real. Satan is real. Eternity is real. Heaven and hell are real places that exist. So we have to acknowledge that reality and prepare accordingly while also balancing not getting so obsessed that we forget to live out our God-given purpose. Can I hear an amen this morning? Is this making sense so far? Awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look fantastic this morning. And to all the husbands in the room, you're welcome. So why do a series like this? Why, why talk about this, Pastor Donnie? Well, first and foremost is this month there is a holiday that capitalizes on the supernatural and paranormal. And in tandem with that, I want to make sure that we're understanding that this all isn't just for fun, that there's some realities that are happening. 
And I, again, I feel like we become desensitized to this because every empty store gets filled by a certain store at this time. The spirit of, there it is. And again, little by little, as we celebrate this holiday, we become desensitized to the reality of spiritual warfare. Why do a series like this? Well, first off is this, in order for us to walk into what God has for us, we must have an eternal perspective. If you and I are going to walk into God's calling for our lives, we have to have as the church an eternal perspective and understanding that the choices and decisions that we make echo in eternity. In order for us to not be led astray, we have to know our enemy. Why else do we do a sermon series like this? Well, we have to have an understanding of the supernatural realm because it helps us to understand the natural realm. What is happening right now, it's kind of like the puppet and the puppet master, right? You don't see the puppet master behind the curtain, but we know that he's there. And if you and I have this understanding that there is a spiritual battle happening beyond this scene, we will understand that the unseen gives evidence in the scene. Come on, somebody. My goodness. Thank you, three of you. I'll send you a card. The goal of today is to grow in knowledge. I also want to say that typically I like to drive our sermons in a, in a kind of a, a way that puts us into action, and today's more of a reality check. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you awake? And if they're not, you have my permission to smack them. With the love of Jesus, right? I'm going to lay hands on you. So this morning I want to have an overview. I want to bring us back to square one because, again, it never ceases to amaze me how much biblical knowledge the church has forgotten. So today we're going to talk about angels. We're going to talk about demons. We're going to talk about Satan and where this all started. Where did things go wrong? First, Satan and demons. Where did Satan and demons come from? Satan is a created being, originally created by God as an angel. In Ezekiel chapter 28, it describes how beautiful Satan was. God created him to be perfect in wisdom and beauty, and it made him a spectacle of flawlessness and gave him special capabilities in music. Do I want to go there this early in the morning? I'm going to let it hang. If you want to hear more on that, come back next week. <laughs> he was an angel of high position, and Satan, also called Lucifer at the time, had favor with God. But then things went wrong. In Ezekiel chapter 28, and reiterated in Isaiah 14, these passages teach us that Satan started to think too highly of himself. Because of all his gifts, he started to crave honor that was supposed to be bestowed upon God. And he started to crave that for himself, and he fell into something called pride. Don't ever underestimate pride. You know that saying, pride goes before a... It started here. It has biblical roots. That Satan's fall, it started with pride, and I can't help but notice, again, one of the things that we need to come to the understanding is that pride can set into our hearts. We as a nation have become so incredibly prideful, and I'm concerned that 
we as the church have fallen in this disbelief that it can happen to us. Years ago, there was a study done on all of these Christian organizations that once had their roots in Christianity but had drifted, and one of the case studies was the YMCA. How many of you, how many of you didn't know that the YMCA originally started as a Christian organization? You didn't know that. Young Men's Christian Association. Young Men's Women's and Men's and Women's Christian Association, YMCA. And they studied the YMCA and what happened and what is, they found this common trait among these organizations that once started as Christian organizations and then drifted away from their purpose. One of the things that they found, one of the patterns that they noticed that it, is that all of these organizations believed that they could never drift. It won't happen to us. We're above it. And now you wouldn't even recognize that these are Christian organizations. You and I have to recognize that pride can settle into our hearts and that we can drift away from God. It is the first step in preventing ourselves from living a prideful lifestyle, is recognizing it can happen to us. And we have to make sure that in our American pride mindset, and please hear me, I love my nation, but we also need to recognize that as a nation, we are in deep need of humility. So Satan falls into pride. Lucifer falls into pride. Satan rebelled against God and one third of the angelic hosts joined him in this revolt, which is why scripture calls them collectively as Satan and his angels. Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 says this, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. Come on, somebody. He was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down. And the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Satan and his demons quite simply are fallen angels that rebelled against God. And we would recognize that scripturally, angelic beings are not capable of redemption. There aren't any scripture passages that would validate this position, although this seems to be a growing position. There's a position right now that says eventually you will do your time in hell and you will get out and even the demons will come to know Jesus. It's another new age belief that's taking over the church. This is a lie. There aren't any biblical passages that support this, and scholars speculate that the reason why these angelic beings or once angelic beings are beyond salvation is because they began in heaven seeing God and still made the choice. And this is a reality that separates us as created beings. Is there's actually multiple scripture passages, especially in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 12. It says that the angels look at the gift of salvation that we have and they marvel. Because you and I are redeemed. Come on, somebody. The angels stand there perplexed, looking at mankind at this extravagant gift that we have seen and received, and it says that they marvel at us. Don't ever underestimate the gift that you've been given. 
What is the goal of Satan and his fallen angels? We first have to understand this. The devil and his angels want to hurt God. And how do they hurt God? Well, they recognize that God loves humans and gave himself for them, so therefore he hurts us. What kinds of things does Satan and demons do? Satan, first off, I want to reiterate this point. Satan is the enemy of God. Follow me on this pathway. Satan is the enemy of God. God is the enemy of Satan. Therefore, you and I are Satan's enemies. You have a target on your back. He wants to take you down, not only to hurt you, but to hurt God. The second that you and I realize that there's an enemy after us, I believe that we will prepare and live our lives in a different way while living underneath this reality. What kinds of things does Satan and his demons do? Well, Satan, first off, is called the deceiver. In Genesis chapter 3, he's called the deceiver, and he's identified as the ancient serpent who deceives the world. And again, I want us to recognize the possibility that you and I are capable of being deceived. Because the second that you and I say, I'm above that, it makes us a huge target. You and I are capable of being deceived. It's why throughout Scripture we're told time and time and time and time again, guard your hearts. Watch your life in doctrine because they'll not only lead you astray, but others if you let it happen. Satan and demons are invested in the deception and propagating falsehood. In John chapter 8, verse 44, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, and Ephesians chapter 2. And I know some of you are sitting here saying, why don't we read all of these scriptures? Because I want to get out of here before 5 o'clock this evening. You're welcome. (laughs) Jesus refers to the devil multiple occasions, on multiple occasions, as the father of lies. John chapter 8, verse 44, just being one of those examples. Paul speaks of Satan's work in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul is saying that Satan is so good at what he does. You can't call Satan stupid, by the way. That's not scriptural. Paul is saying that Satan is so good at what he does that you could be standing in the midst of God's creation, seeing the creation itself displaying the glory of God, and still be so deceived that you choose to walk away from him. Paul also warns us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 through 15, he says this, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is not strange if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. If there has ever been a verse that we should take into consideration right now, it's this one. There are so many movements right now that are happening that look good on the outside. But what drives them, what gives them passion is nothing short of demonic. And I'm concerned at the amount of Christians that are following these social justice movements. Can I tell you, I hate the title social justice. 
leave the justice up to God. And social justice is an attempt to dethrone God and say, I will be the judge of justice. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14, it says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And I want to say that that is very, very, very literal. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormon, said he encountered an angel that added to Scripture. Muhammad, the founder of Islam, said an angel appeared before him and added to Scripture. And then we have scripture that says, hey, here's a warning. Satan likes to dress up like an angel of light. And we look at that as poetical. Can I say that it is literal? But I also want us to understand that the average Christian will not likely have a supernatural encounter with either an angel or a demon. Don't become so obsessed with it that we go looking for an encounter. Come on, somebody. But demonic influence may be more subtle, and I believe it's more dangerous. If you see somebody that has embraced demonic influence in their life, typically there's physical characteristics and behaviors that you can observe and say, there's something not right there. But when demonic influence is subtle... And it's presented to your kids in a subtle way. And it's presented to you in subtle ways. And one choice leads to another choice. And that choice continues to lead you down the pathway of literal hell. We need to keep our guard up. For more on that, come back next week. We've talked about the demons a little bit and their origin. What about angels? Angels, likewise, are created beings. All that angels do is in reference to God and according to His will. Those who did not rebel are God's servants who obey God by declaring certain revelations. Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. Also, different angels have different responsibilities. Angels fight dark angels, Daniel chapter 10. As a matter of fact, typically when you see a fight going on, you'll see the name Michael mentioned. When you see the name Michael mentioned, typically somebody's about to get their butt kicked. I'm just saying. Michael is like, oh. Angels deliver messages from God, Luke chapter 1 verse 19. And typically when there's a message to be given, we'll see the name Gabriel. Angels protect God's followers. Come on, somebody. Psalm 34, verse 7, and Psalm 91, verse 6. Angels are used, and this is where we take caution. And this next point is why so many individuals will encounter an angel, and they will fall down. And usually the angel's response is, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, get up. Do not fear. Angels are used as instruments of judgment. We see this in Genesis 19, verse 13, Acts chapter 12, verse 23, and all throughout the book of Revelation, but specifically Revelation 15. Genesis 19, verse 13, one example of this is Sodom and Gomorrah. 
where despicable behaviors and lifestyles were lived out in Sodom and Gomorrah. And today we call this place California. California will come to know Jesus, I'm just saying. There's some really good churches in California. Don't count them out. Don't speak and say they're forgotten. We speak life. Amen, church? But in Sodom and Gomorrah, there's an account where angels tell Lot to leave because they are about to destroy the city. And again, this is literal, not poetical. Angels are also in the physical presence of God, and they worship him. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. And Christians can be encouraged that angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. But I also want to address some popular myths in today's culture. You know there's a lot of myths out there about angels. Have you come to that realization? No, just me? Okay. For example, one of the myths that I frequently encounter is that you yourself will become an angel when you die. This is a myth. You and I were created as humans. Angels were created as angels. You and I do not morph into a different being upon the arrival in heaven. And with this, there's obviously a parallel misunderstanding that your loved ones become guardian angels. And I'm not trying to spook anybody out, but I have had so many students and families in my office throughout my career so far as a pastor who talk about how they have sought to hear from a deceased loved one and their guardian angel, that loved one, responded. I've had people who have gone to get their tariff cards read and have gone to fortune tellers and who have sought these demonic access points, trying to encounter their deceased loved one. And some of them received information that was very accurate, and I want to address that real quick. Pastor, this fortune teller knew things. And I want to say this, demons have been around for a long time. They know your family members. They know the lifestyle choices that your family members made. And anytime you try to encounter a deceased loved one, you are encountering a demonic demon. There's no two ways about it. And the reason why that demon knew so much is because, again, they've been around for a long time, but it's also kind of like, have you, have you ever seen like a sports broadcaster who can predict the next play? Because he's been, he or she has been analyzing the game for so long, they've studied the team, they know the function, they, they, they are so in tune, they've been around the game long enough that they can predict the next play. So it is with demons. They've been around for so long, they know our behavior that they can predict the next play. Keep your guard up. Amen, church? Amen. To be clear, your loved ones are not guardian angels. And I thank God. If they were, 
you would see a lot more accidents. Because I know my family members. God love them. I am so thankful that that is not their responsibility upon arriving at heaven. But I'm also so thankful that my loved ones who have gone to be with Jesus, that's exactly where they are. They're in the presence of Jesus. They don't have to endure and still be a part of what's happening here. And that gives me so much peace. Far better than saying, well, so-and-so is watching over me. People do not become angels. We are created as people. Angels are created as angels. Some impressions that we get of angels is that they are almost robotic and are only capable of absent-minded worship, and that's kind of it. We see it again on different TV shows and different sitcoms, and any angel that appears is either very dry or, again, just limited in their functions. And I want to say this, that angels have intellect. They can think. The Bible says clearly that Lucifer is wise, according to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12, that Satan was full of wisdom. The angel at the empty tomb in Matthew chapter 28, verse 5 says, I know who you're looking for, meaning they have understanding to a degree of what we go through and our intentions. Daniel chapter 11, an angel explains the plans of God, which means that that angel has emotion and has will and understanding. They know a lot. But I also want to say this, angels and demons, both, they know a lot, but they do not know everything. They cannot see the future. Only God can. Amen, church? And I want you to think about that statement, I am. When, when Jesus said, I am, and back in the Old Testament when God said, I am, what he was referring to is, I always was, I always will be, I'm in the present, I'm in the past, I'm in the future, I'm in all places simultaneously, I am. Only God can see the future. I've also been challenged with the question, if God created Satan and demons, doesn't that mean that God created evil? And this is a question that the church will be continually challenged with, and it's a good question. And I want to just pause real quick and make sure that we never lash out at people for asking theological questions. For the past decade, the church's response has been, don't ask that. If God creates a being, it did not mean that he poisoned their mind to make the choices that they made. It's called free will. All of the spiritual battle that we see, all of the death and disease, the brokenness, the corrupt desire of man to rebel against God, and therefore the battle of God, Satan, light, darkness, angels, demons, it continues through the ages. And where did it all begin? The origin of evil and sin is found in the Garden of Eden because we chose it. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are created and God warns them. I want to say that again. God warns them. God is often painted as cruel, as if he didn't tell them, as if he should have given them more warning. Can I say that God is just? And he warned them, don't eat of it. But as you know this story, Eve partakes and then offers to Adam and he willingly, willfully chooses to go against God. And we're left with 
questions like this. Why did the tree have to exist? It's a good question. And ultimately, we're led to this understanding that it is, the tree is proof of free will. Does it really mean a whole lot to your spouse if you say, I love you, and they are the only man or woman on earth? I love you. Well, cupcake, you didn't have any choices. The tree represents free will, the ability to decide. If the tree did not exist and wasn't created, man would only have one choice, and that is not a loving relationship. That is God forcing himself on man, and that is not God. But he gave us one of the most beautiful gifts of free will. And love with, between us and God means that much more. And in spite of man using free will to rebel against God, he still thought that we were worth redeeming. We get caught up in the why that we often forget to recognize that little but powerful word, redemption. Don't get intimidated, and I'm going to ask for the worship team to come. My closing point with you is this. In light of everything that we've discussed this morning, angels, demon, demons, God, Satan, good versus evil, I want to say this. Don't get intimidated by things that God already defeated. Don't get intimidated by things that God has already conquered. And right now in our culture, fear is a really good marketing tool. Because if the social media outlets and news outlets, if they can, and I want to say that this is both a left-wing and right-wing Democrat-Republic issue. Because if we can get you into a fearful state, you enter into what is called fight or flight, and all reasoning goes out the window. And fear is being used as a marketing tool. Don't get intimidated by things that God already defeated. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Come on, somebody. I want to go back to a point that I mentioned a few moments ago. Satan and demons don't know the future. They don't know what's next. They know scripture. They know how it ends. But in this in-between state, they don't know what comes next. If they did know the future, then most likely they would have tried a little bit harder to stop Jesus from going to the cross rather than ushering him to it. But in that manner, they failed. They do know Scripture. Satan knows Scripture. That's why he will mention half of it and leave the other half out to deceive you. But I also want to say that it's a beautiful thing that they don't know the future because we are constantly receiving signs that hell is desperate. Because the enemy doesn't know what tomorrow brings and God does, God will work all things for his purpose. 
he will see a scheme of the enemy and bring it to bow down to him before his throne and use it for his purpose. And I believe that our world right now is setting up for one of the greatest revivals mankind has ever seen. It's why hell is working overtime because I believe that hell can sense that God is working all things to his purpose and that the end times are near and therefore hell full of fear and discontentment is working overtime. It's why there's political turmoil like never before. It's why statistically Christians are being persecuted now more than any other time in history. It's why pandemics have swept across nations and nations are discontent with this. It's why the world is grabbing on to various helplines trying to be God right now in this time. Tension between nations continues to escalate. Rumors of war happens daily because the enemy knows scripture and knows that his time is running out. But I also want to say this, that God is opening the hearts of man like never before. Two years ago when I was just new to this church and a couple months into the position and I was here at a Wednesday night prayer gathering and there was a prophetic word spoken over this church that said this will be a house that the prodigal sons and daughters return to. Through COVID, we have seen this happen. We have seen children who have rebelled against God come back to know him. That's the story of the prodigal son. I was at a conference this past week and the pastor in his fiery state is preaching and preaching and he says, turn on the porch lights. The prodigal sons and daughters are coming home. There's a pattern happening right now. We're surrounded, church, but it means that God can advance in every direction. God is opening the hearts of man. God is going to use everything right now for his purpose. Do not lose sight of that. The prodigal sons and daughters will return. This nation will come to bow down before the throne of Jesus. What was flipped upside down will be flipped right side up. Every world leader will bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Fear and anxiety will be but a memory of the past. Peace and joy will reign for all eternity. And as we encounter God on the other side of this life, we will see the glory of God in such a profound way that we will come to understand why angelic beings cannot help but surround the throne of God. And all they are capable of doing in that moment is saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's not because they're forced to, it's not because they're programmed, they have intellect, they have a will, but it's because when you get a taste of his glory, church, come on somebody, when you get a taste of his presence, there's something inside of you because God has put the eternity on the hearts of man that wells up and all all we can respond with to articulate our feelings is holy, holy, holy. Don't get intimidated by things that God already defeated. What's 
happening in our world isn't coincidence, it's divine appointment. Don't get intimidated by things that God has already defeated. Keep running after him and reaching those around you. In the midst of all the political turmoil and in the midst of all of the discontentment with COVID and everything that's going on, do not lose sight of your primary purpose in life. And that is to combat hell from being filled up and fill up heaven. Come on, somebody. Would you stand with me this morning? Right where you're at, would you just begin to call on the Lord? In your own way, would you just begin to ask Him, God, help me in this battle. Help me in the midst of trials. Help me in the midst of my adversaries, Lord. Would you prepare a table before me? I want to challenge us to ask, God, would you put eternity on my mind? Help me to understand that everything that we see in the scene is a result of the unseen battle at hand. Jesus. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.